Let's get it. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Dre E. This is the Minority Report. This is going to be episode number 11. I'm here today with my gorgeous co-host, Sylvia. Sylvia, what's up? What's going on? Hello, world. How are you guys doing? What's Everything good? Everything good? I'm good. Shout out to my man Jay right here. He's in the background. He's not in camera. Don't worry about it. Let's get my technical stuff all situated for me. Um, let's see. Um, what are we doing? Sins of our similar parent. But before we get into all that, how was your day? How was your weekend? It was good. It was good? Do yes. anything productive? Yes. Every day. Like, I mean, <laughs> you going to share with us? Is it a secret? Like, what's going on? <laughs> no? It's all good? You already know. No, no, I don't know. I mean, you I, do I'm know. Saying, you know that everything's a secret. Oh, I do know everything's a secret. <laughs> it's uh, not a secret. It's just, you know, I just don't speak on stuff. Everything's a secret. Right? Like, she, I think she worked for the CIA or some shit. Um, so, but it was a good weekend. It was good. Doing all the secret shit that you do. Um, so, um, mine was pretty good as well. Uh, my brother was in from Germany uh, for about 10 days. So, I was up in Colleen pretty much all week. Um, Tuesday to I don't know Friday Thursday whenever I got back, um, my daughter got to finish my my youngest daughter got to finally meet her uncle and her auntie my my nephews and nieces and stuff for the first time so that was dope um, so that was cool um, so it was good man it was good um, shit man they had me out one night at a a damn baseball game it was like <laughs> the coldest day of the damn year <laughs> that's what it seemed like but um, but it's all good so. Um, that's that, and then I took my daughter shopping. She needed some clothes and some shoes and everything, so we went up to the outlets, did some shopping and things of that nature. So that's how my weekend happened. Um, maybe you'll read a book or something, find out how her weekend went <laughs> when she decides when she decides to uh, open up to us, the people. So, um, but that's good. You had a good weekend. That's good. So, um, so this episode is called, like I said, uh, "Sins of Our Parents." So. What I wanted to uh, discuss, I wanted to talk about, because I thought it was something that, um, I think it's something that we all um, should talk about. Me, I'm, like I said, I'm in my, my what am I, lower 40s? I'm, in my, I'm 41, I'll be 42 this year. I'm not ashamed to, you know, let anyone know that. But um, I wanted to actually, like I said, discuss sins of our parents. Um, so in the Bible, you know, there's a quote, sentence, or or, or verse. Oh, no, don't quote me on any of this <laughs> stuff because I'm not the Bible guy. But sins of our father. So it's pretty much the same concept. But sins of our parents because I think that a lot of um, what our parents have taught us and the things that they've learned and the way they were brought up, it pretty much shapes the way we are as far as, we, as, far as when we're coming up. Mm-hmm. Until we pretty much, you know, start to see things on our own. So I wanted to have this discussion because, like I said, I feel like I feel as if we get a I mean, I'm sorry, us. I feel as if our parents, a lot of the time, they get a bad rep. I know I'm going to go into some details about my parents and the things that I've uh, uh, came up through. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to share some of these things with you and uh, with with everyone. And um, but I'm going. I'm also going to share the flip side and the things that I've learned as well, um, being a parent and yeah. how I once looked at certain things, I no longer look at those things the way that I once used to. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. right? 
All right, so that's what we're going to talk about, sins of our parents. So one of these things, so I say, I'll, uh, let me see, I'm going to start this off. So as, par- as a parent now, and just not being a parent before, like my, my mother was in my life, um, it's well documented, um, it's not a, it's not a, um, what's the word, I mean, it's not a secret, for lack of a better term, for me to tell people that my mother wasn't in my life. Um, my mother wasn't in my life, and when I was younger, I really had a really hard time um, uh, dealing with that. Um, and, I, and, I, and I really didn't know that I had a really hard time dealing with that. It wasn't until, exactly, it wasn't until around middle school, because middle school is when you're not, you know, you're coming of age and you're finding out about yourself, you're finding out who your friends are, you're going through puberty, you're going through the whole nine yards. So it wasn't until middle school that I really started to uh, notice that um, I was missing my mother, you know, and um, just a little bit of brief history uh, for y'all, for those of you who don't know, um, like I really, I had a, I had a strong disliking for my mother. I guess you could say a, a strong hatred towards my mother um, growing up because I always felt like she wasn't there for me and my mother, but my mother, um, she was a, I guess she started out uh, as a drug dealer um, in the in the early 80s. Um, that's when the crack epidemic hit the West Coast. Well, it hit every uh, major urban city, um, period, in the United States. Late uh, 70s or early 80s, and it just went rampant through the hoods. Um, as you know, I was born in Oakland, California, so um, yeah, it hit there pretty hard. So my mother, um, she got caught up in that whole uh, drug underworld, and me being the youngest of her three kids, um, we were there too. So it was just, um, it was, it was a real, I guess you could say traumatic experience for me and my siblings on just going through everything that we were going through as far as the drugs, seeing my mother use, I mean, uh, uh, first start selling drugs, trafficking drugs from Oakland to LA. And then eventually, um, I learned this from a Biggie line, actually. Um, and Biggie, you know, he said, never get high on your own supply. There's a reason for that. So my mother, she started to uh, get high off of those drugs, which uh, put her into a whole nother realm of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Trouble, for lack of a better term. Um, because when you get high on the supply that you're supposed to be selling, <laughs> drug dealers don't take too kind to that. So we, we had to deal with the ramifications of that part of it as well. Um, until my mom eventually, man, she, uh, she ended up uh, leaving my sister in a um, bar slash grill, something like a Buffalo Wild Wings or Chili's, whatever you want to call it. Um, went and took me and my brother to a taxi cab and said that she was she put us in a taxi cab and said that she was going to be right back and um to go she was going to go get my sister and then nothing she left us in the back of the taxi cab the taxi cab driver waited around for a couple hours um i still remember his name because his name was my name my name was andre the taxi guy's name was andre i think i was like six seven at the time um he waited for about 30 minutes or an hour till we uh no i'm probably not even that long just seemed that long but uh, we went back to walk to the bar where, with, with the taxi driver to see if my mother was in there. She wasn't. My brother knew how to get to my grandfather's house, so he gave his directions to grand, my grandfather's house. Um, went to go stay with my daddy Frank for a couple days till he took us over to my mother's last known boyfriend's house where we were staying at the time. And um, he took us there. 
Um, and the boyfriend was like, "No, nah, they can't stay with me." So he called the uh, he called the uh, what do you call the state the, the state C CPS whatever you want to call that at the time. So we ended up in a group home. Um, and then when we got to that group home, my sister was already there. Yeah, which was miraculous because uh, I mean, yeah, it was just it's, it's it's crazy how that turned out. Now I say I like to say this, so that's just a little bit of it. But for 20 some odd years, um, I was angry at my mom, right? I was angry at my mom, um, especially once I had my twins. Um, once I had my twins in 04, it was just one of those things to where as, um, once I had my twins, I was really angry at my mom because I look at my twins and I'm like, there's no way in hell I could ever leave them in the back of a taxi cab, in a bar, in a whatever. There's no way under no circumstance, right? So I told myself, right? And um, I held I held firm on that for um, for forever. Matter of fact, until right before I turned forty, uh, I was thirty, probably thirty eight. I, I I held firm onto that that mindset, that thinking and stuff, right? But it wasn't until I had a conversation with my auntie that um, I really got to start seeing like um, like I guess understanding more so my mother's thought process and her mindset uh, from when she was younger, when she was, so my mother is the youngest of, I don't even know because I don't really know that side of the family, but I want to say about 12 to 15 kids. She was the youngest, right? And she was the youngest, her and her mother were very, very close. Um, I didn't find out until a couple years ago that, you know, um, that, uh, like I said, how close she was with her mother. And then her mother passing away right around the time she turned 18, 19, mm -hmm. something around around that time uh, she passed away. And from all accounts, from every, everyone I spoke to, um, my father included, my father, my aunties, uh, my, my brother, my older siblings. Uh, my mother, she really took that, um, she took that really hard. You know, she took that really hard. I mean, she lost her best friend. She lost her protector. She lost her confidant. She lost everything. And then right around the same time, like I said, I mean, the, cat, the crack epidemic was pulling into these neighborhoods, you know. Um, so the combination of those two things. And like I said, I was the youngest. So I have a, a sister that's two years older than me and I have a brother that's four years older than me. We're all two years apart. So me having that understanding of just that situation it allowed me to, you know, give my mom a little slack to cut her some slack. You know what I mean? Because it's like, I don't know. I mean, we could sit, we we could all sit up here and say the shit we would have mm -hmm. did and what we could have did and what we shouldn't have done and what we could have done. But the reality is, we don't know. You know what I mean? Um, I tell people all the time, like, I grew up like, I grew up what first six seven years with my mom's. I did a year or two in the system. Um, the next six six years of my life, from second to eighth grade, I spent with my pops. Um, from eighth grade to tenth grade, I was pretty much homeless the whole fucking time, until the Bonillas took me in. You know what I mean? And then once the Bonillas took me in, shit, I was good to go, man. I was <laughs> shit, I was smooth sailing. But the thing is, it's like I, I tell people all the time, man. It's just like I don't know. We 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 don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So once I was uh, armed with that information about my mother, like I said, I could, um, we, we all think our parents are fucking superheroes, right? 
Yeah. This is the reality of it. it. The reality of it is we, we think our parents are superheroes. It's like they was put on this earth at 35 or whenever it is they had you and they've been perfect since then. That's how we, a lot of us look at our parents through those lenses. And it's, it's, it's just it's really just unfair to them. You know what I mean? When you really look at it, it's like because I know all the problems and shit I've had in this 42 years, almost 42 years of my life and I didn't fell on my face a few thousand times got back up fell on my face but everything is a learning thing so for us I mean like for a lot of us especially us with children we we, we and, and it shows in today's society too uh, and in my opinion we're too lenient on our kids um, but we always say well I'll never be like my parents like I hated the way my parents raised me and my parents did this and my parents did that and it's like like I said it's just unfair to them because, and I say that it's unfair because we don't know the shit that they, and a lot of them went through, especially being African-American or black in America, um, a lot of them been through a lot of shit that we, a lot of us couldn't even fathom. And it's quick, and, it, and it's, like I said, we're quick to say what we would have done in those situations, but we don't know. Because we're not there. Because we're not there. We <clears throat> weren't there. And it took, like I said, it really, damn near, it took me 40 years of my life to really, like, put in perspective, like, yo, like, yeah, it, yes, it's fucked up. Like, yes, it's fucked up. My mom abandoned me. It's fucked up. My, my, my pops wasn't there for me in the times that I needed him the most. Um, but we all, gotta, we all have our own problems. You know what I mean? And we got to look at, like I said, we got to look at the, 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 the whole picture in totality. You know what I mean? It's just not about, we can't just pull out certain parts of it and be like, well... I hate my mom, I hate my dad because of this, that, and the third, you know what I mean? And like I said, I didn't even have a hatred for my mom after, like, high school. I mean, because I really didn't care. I didn't know my mom. I didn't care. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was, shit, six, four, five, six years old when I was with my mother. And after that, we had we didn't have no relationship to the point to where I went to go see my father one time. On, this is when I first got back to, that's when I first got in the Air Force and I first went back to the Bay after all of this shit happened. I went to go see my grandfather. And um, I was I was what was, I was walking down the steps from his apartment, and my mother was walking up the steps. Didn't even know it was her, like straight up, like that's didn't even know, didn't didn't recognize her, didn't. I was just like, and then so he calls me from the top. He's like, Hey, Andre, you know who that is? I tell him I never seen that person a day in my life. This is what I told him. I said, I never seen that person a day in my life. He's like, oh, that's your mom. And I just say, hey, hi. And I kept walking because, like, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, complete stranger. Like, I don't even know what the fuck's going on. Like, but it was one of, like I said, it took me 40 years to, like, to really start to sit down and realize, like, like, a lot of our parents wasn't armed with the tools that we're armed with now. You know what I mean? A lot of our parents, um, they just, they just, um, they were doing the best they could with what they had. And yes, some of them made some catastrophic uh, failures. They had catastrophic failures. My mother being one of those people, my father being one of those people, like, yo, just catastrophic. Like, my mother leaving me in the back of a taxi cab. Um, when I was with my father, I was being abused every fucking day for six years, you know, both physically and mentally by my stepmom, you know what I mean? Um, it felt like for me, and in my eyes, he chose her over his his own child. And um, for the longest time, I, but the, the thing is so crazy about the two situations is, for my whole life, I gave my dad a pass. Like, yo, he was just doing, because my dad was in the Army. 
He became a truck driver, then he worked with a post office, but he was working in, we lived in Killeen. He was working in a post office in Austin. And so he was never home. My dad was never home, like literally never home. But I always chalked it up to he was doing whatever he had to do to provide for his family. You know what I mean? And as far as my mother was concerned, I didn't, I didn't give her no slack. I didn't cut her. I didn't cut her no fucking slack for 40 years. And um, that's sad. You know why that's sad? Because we don't have a relationship today, and it's mainly because of me. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we have a better relationship than we did in over the last 40 years. But like I said, I mean, I, I truly have better relationships with people I just met last month than I do my own mother. And that's sad. And that's and the reason why I say that, because like I said, there's people out here who who do have these issues, these long uh, underlying problems and issues that they have with their parents. And like I said, I mean, we we're here. We when we're here, we look at our parents like they've done no wrong, that they're saints. They're supposed to do right by us. And. And they have this halo over their head, and we don't look at them as human. You see what I'm saying? And so it's important for me to let the masses know, like, hey, man, it's it's okay. It's okay to um. It's okay to uh. To have whatever issues you have with your parents, but don't let it get to a point to where it got to me, to whereas this shit, this was 40 fucking years before I woke up and was like, yo, <laughs> like. You know what? You know, you know what? Um, you know, she's just human. You know, she 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 did the best she could she could do with what she had with the tools she had as well. Like everybody, a real another real problem I have for myself was I just always figured that everybody like why isn't everybody like me? You know what I mean? Obviously, this is my my older brother, my older sister, because they let the circumstances of our childhood dictate the, our whole their whole future my sister passed at 38 38 yeah my sister passed at 38 and me personally i think it's truly over a broken heart and the depression and everything that came with um she was morbidly obese because she ate her feelings and she was always depressed and shit and she could never get over the fact that the things that happened in our childhood and the fact that my father was never there for her and that shit broke her heart and then my brother, my brother, my brother, he's, damn, man, what, I'm 42 this year? So he's 46 this year. He'll be 46 this year. The year that my sister passed, which he was 40, he had a major stroke, paralyzed host left side of his body, right? But before that stroke, he never, um, he never recovered. He never recovered from our past. So I always, always be like, what the fuck's wrong with them? They have bad, in my opinion, they have better opportunities than me. Because they stayed in Oakland, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, with all of my families there, you know, outside of my dad, who I was here here with. Um, but they had all that opportunity. They had my mom, they had my aunties, they had my cousins. They had a whole community of people to help them out. And I just couldn't understand for the life of me why they couldn't shake that shit off and keep it pushing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because here I am in Colleen, Texas, with nobody but some peers of mine that was 13 years old. Helping me eat every day, helping me uh, clothe, helping me shower when they could, sneak me in their houses when they could. I'm homeless. I'm in abandoned houses. I'm in uh, rental properties. I'm in all kinds of. I'm outside. I'm in the sewer. I'm sleeping in the park. You know what I mean? And so I will always look at them like, well, fuck. If I made it, why the fuck couldn't they make it? But the the, the reality is, everybody ain't programmed the same. You know what I mean? That I'm makes sense, right? Say, yeah. Everybody ain't as strong. Everybody like. Cause like I said, it was a conscious decision for me. Mm -hmm. 
and they were all my motivation. I didn't want to be like nobody in my family. So I was like, yo, I was hell-bent on escaping that shit and making it out. And I just, like I said, for the life of me, I couldn't understand why my brother and sister couldn't do that. And especially being that I was the youngest of mm-hmm. the three, you know. So having kids for me, it really started to turn shit around for me in my thought process. And it was like, well, fuck, like... Um, it's well documented the shit that me and my 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 twins mother go through you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's like well fuck I, I already know whatever it is she's telling them if like i said and that, that was one of the things for me is like i know she's probably telling them i'm the scum of the earth you know what i mean but we know you're not so yeah but of course we know we're not <laughs> everybody knows i'm not but i'm looking at it in the perspective like they don't have that information so what if they're thinking of doing the same things that I'm doing and thoughts about my mother? You know what I mean? So that that was, for me, was like a moment of clarity for me. Like once I started going through my shit with my fucking ex, it was like, oh shit, okay, well, well, maybe, maybe things were different. Maybe it just wasn't so uh, black and white for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it wasn't. It wasn't. Like I said, I mean, she lost her mom, crack epidemic hit. Like she, she, they already didn't have all the tools. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it was just one of those things to just make me realize that for one, life is short. That's first and foremost. Life is short and our parents are not perfect. So I guess the message that I'm trying to convey is that if there's any of you guys out there who are going through some things or you guys have some some feelings or resentment or whatever you want to call it and you guys are harboring these feelings towards your parents be it your mom and your dad or your mom or your dad um reach out to them and i mean yeah you guys may not have you guys may not have um or, or may not going you, you may not you may not have a relationship with them and going forward you still may not have a relationship for them i mean with them but I challenge you guys all to hear them out. Just hear them out, man, because you don't know what their story is. But I'm guaranteeing you that their story is way more complex than what you think it is. Like, oh, he's an asshole. My, my, my pops was an asshole. He was just a drill sergeant or he was so strict or he was never around. And like the thing, like I said, like what I'm living right now is like... I'm living exactly that. Like, I want to be there for my daughters. I want to be there for my daughters every day. But when you're dealing with someone who makes it damn near impossible to do so, that's a story. So a lot of us, I mean, we're going by what our moms told us as youth. Oh, your dad, you know, he just wasn't around. He was in the streets or he was in jail. Some of y'all, I got some homegirls that their mother told them that their pops was dead. You know what I mean? Just to come, out, just to, come to find out 25, 30 years later. They pops is still around, you know what I mean? But then that child is building up resentment because their father went and had a whole nother family. They see how close their father is with those kids. And, and then they start thinking of all this stuff in their head, but they don't even know the story. It's all, so all they think is, oh, shit, pops wasn't around for me. He didn't want me. And he went and started on a whole nother family. Plus, combined with the shit that your mother telling you about your pops. And it's like, and vice versa. And it's like, they can't win for losing but I challenge you, like I said, I challenge all of you guys who are going through something like that to hear your parents out, man. Hear, hear your pops out. Hear your moms out. Because, like I said, I guarantee you it's a lot it's a, it's a lot more complex than the simple shit of he just didn't want to be there for me. And we also got to understand that um, 
um, addiction, that's a mental illness. That's a mental illness. It's like some of these people, man, yes, they might. So what? You may have tried something and you may have tried something and you just tried it that one time. You moved on from it. Sometimes some people try something one time and that's it. That's it. Everything's over. Everything's over from there. And we have to understand that. We can't just put everybody in a fucking box because we're all different. We all our chemical balance, all of that, everything is made up differently. We got to understand that. And it's like me, I don't drink. Everybody in my everybody in my family, not everybody in my family, so don't be lying. <laughs> not everybody in my family, but we have um, we have addict personalities, you know. Addiction, addiction runs in the family. Like damn near every damn near everyone who's tried anything of a legal substance or alcohol or things of that nature, they've become addicted to it. That's why I don't drink. I, I don't drink. And yes, I've had. I'm one of those people. I could try a shot of something. I've had a shot of this, a shot of that. Probably had probably ten shots of something my whole life, but. I don't, I don't, um, I don't dwell into it. I don't, I don't dive into drinking. Uh, I've never smoked anything, a cigarette, anything, no weed, no nothing. I never done any drugs ever in my life because I have a family that I come from that shows me what it, what that does to people in my family, and I didn't want to be another one of those people. So it's like, yo, so I knew. My limits, I knew to stay. And I, and I lived in Vegas for 15 years. So if, if, if you ever wanted to know how strong my willpower was, then just look at that. I mean, and I was in the military at that. So it was like a double negative that was not going to turn out a positive for me. <laughs> but I still managed to stay away from it because that's how serious it was for me. But like I said, everybody's not me. And everybody's not as strong as some of these other people out here. Like I said, a lot of us, we may be able to, to try something one time and just walk away with it. And, I mean, walk away from it. But a lot of us, uh, but the other flip side to that is there's a lot of people out here who try something one time and that is it for them. That is it. And we can't, we cannot um, hold our parents, our siblings or any of these people responsible for these things and the best thing we can do is to try to get them some help that's that's all i could say as far as that is concerned but we gotta we, we gotta start looking at things through clearer eyes and stop being so judgmental of one an, one another especially our parents because like i said i know our parents are supposed to be perfect they're supposed to have a halo over their head they're supposed to know everything they're supposed to teach us everything they're supposed to do everything the right way and then when we grow up and be become parents ourselves we find out that a lot of the things that they taught us or a lot of the things that they've um, instilled uh, instilled in us, we didn't like or we just feel it's wrong, but it's okay. We could change that, but we just have to understand that they were doing the best they could do with what they had and the tools that they had um, coming up. So, yes, Sylvia, Ben and I just talked for 800 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> You're on a roll. <laughs> Um, Talk to me. How do you it's, feel? It's, um, our stories are opposite with our moms and our dad. Facts. So, my dad was the drug addict. Mm-hmm. And, um, you already said about me being secretive. It's not that I'm secretive. I, well, maybe, I don't know. It's not that I am secretive as in... 
I, I got it from my mom. Short story. Long story short, I got it from my mom because she never, she always taught us like not to say anything. Really, oh, yeah, that's that's. That's what been pretty much every black and brown household in so, America. Growing up, I didn't say anything. So when you ask me, I don't say anything. It's not that I'm being secretive. Now that I realize it, I'm just like, wow, I got that from my mother. Because growing up, you know, my mom was 13 when she left home. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't realize till I was in my late 20s. I was a little bit earlier than you. You were you said you were about mm-hmm. to be 40. I was about to be 30 when I actually realized that I couldn't hold my mom accountable for the things that she didn't know better. I couldn't hold my mom accountable for the things that she didn't give me or love me the way I needed to be loved. Mm-hmm. I knew what I needed to, but if she wasn't, she didn't even have no education. All right. You know what I mean? I think she left school like when she was in the seventh grade. So how can I expect these things that... I'm wanting and craving and needing when she didn't know any better. Fact. And that took me a long time because I didn't understand. It was like, why? What was wrong with me? Why wasn't I enough mm-hmm. for my own mother? But just growing up, it was she just kept everything quiet. Like I, She never told us my, my dad was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. She never told me my grandmother was a drug addict. That was just something I found out by myself. And she always told me, like, you have a really good, a damn good memory. And I would just nonchalant ask her about things. And she'd be like, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I saw it. Right. Well, how do you remember? You were young. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I just do. Um, she freaks out because I would tell her things that happened when I was two years old. She's like, how in the hell did you know you were two years old? And I'm like, I just did. And so we've had some conversations. But even with our conversations... She would still tell me not to tell nobody. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's nobody's business. They don't mm-hmm. need to know. So I guess that's kind of where I'm at when people ask me some things. I'm, I don't, it's not that it's a secret. I just feel like it's my business. And I've explained this to you before. Like, I carry a lot of shame, mm-hmm. which I shouldn't because it's not my shame. Right. But I do. And it's mm-hmm. something that I'm still working on. But nonetheless, yeah, my dad was a drug addict. My mom wasn't the drug addict. But I feel that my mom was struggling with things and she kind of, now I can realize that she took it out on me, mm-hmm. and I think that's uh, that's <clears throat> that's important. That you, uh, that's an important important point that you just made. Um, so, a lot of our parents, um, I feel that a lot of our parents took a lot of things out on us um, solely because we were the only ones there. Yeah, you know what I mean. <clears throat> I've always felt like a punching bag, mm-hmm. and I've explained that to her. I'm like, I'm not your punching bag. Like, you can't do those things to me. Mm-hmm. But it's also made me realize that being in a relationship, like that's something I would never stand for. Mm-hmm. Someone's not gonna treat me like a punching bag because I don't deserve it. You can talk to me about it, but you're not gonna. I'm not your outlet. Correct. You're not gonna physically or mentally or emotionally abuse me because that's not fair to me. I didn't do anything to you. Mm-hmm. So. That's something that I still deal with sometimes, but it's made me, when growing up, like you said, we think our parents are are superheroes, right? Right. And with my mom, like, I always thought she was the strongest person that I ever knew. Right. So then it was like I admired her for that because Mm -hmm. it was like, I know her struggles. I know Mm -hmm. that she left at 13. I know that... You know, she's um, dyslexic. So she really, she can't read, mm-hmm. you know. 
And I know that um, she left school because she had wrote an essay and she didn't do such a great job. Well, the teacher decided to acknowledge it in front of the whole classroom and kind of ridicule. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my mom didn't like that. She got really embarrassed and she left school and she never went back. Mm -hmm. And she met my dad. My dad was like 10 to 12 years older than her. Mm -hmm. And I guess she just thought that that was going to be a better lifestyle for her mm -hmm. or opportunity or direction, whatever the situation was. And so they were in California. But um, there's things that I've realized she's done that she just didn't know any better. But growing up as a child, you don't, you don't realize that. You're not 10 realizing what your parents have gone through. Correct. You know, you're just growing, needing your parents. Correct. And then we didn't have our father, so it was difficult. And with my father not being there, I, I guess I was used to it, but my brother needed him. I feel like my brother needed him more. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had to always be tough like my mom because that's what she taught me. She's always taught me that. She was like, you don't... <clears throat> She's like, you don't need a man for anything but one thing. And even at that, you don't need him. Mm -hmm. So that's the mentality that she gave me. So when you ask me things and you're like, okay, superwoman, it's, n it's not that... I feel that I'm too strong or arrogant or my pride. It's not that. It's just that at the same time, I don't want to owe anybody anything. Right. So, and and I understand that. So, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to time you out right there. So, I understand that wholeheartedly, right? So, when it came to my father, right? My father, like I said, I used to always make excuses for him. My father used to be, my father is, I mean, he's, he, he is one of the greatest men that I knew and that I know rather um, but at the time I had him the highest on any pedestal that um, that I had and, and it I, I remember um, like I said always making excuses for him but it wasn't until after I joined the Air Force and I was in Turkey man and uh, we were gearing up for whatever Iraq was sending our way right so then I started having this, uh, I had started flashbacks and stuff. And me and my dad hadn't spoke uh, since, shit, 10th uh, tenth, tenth, tenth grade? Mm -hmm. We hadn't spoke to him about, since about 10th grade. Um, and I was, well, I was in my second year in the Air Force, so it had to be about four years. No, no communication, no nothing. But um, there was a possibility of us going to war. And um, I started to think back on my father and just um, everything that, you know, that I had been through in his house um, at the hands of my stepmom. And I came to the realization that my father wasn't as strong as I thought he was. And that broke my heart, like for real. It broke my heart and it, uh, it broke my heart and it made me feel sorry for him. Because um, it was just one of those things like, it, again, I, mean, I, I felt like yeah, man, like, like I was selfish. Like my father, my, and my father was well. He wasn't out here without no one. He he has sisters, but at this time, at this point in time, him and my aunties weren't as close as they used to be. So my father was out here in this world alone, and I feel like he felt that he only had my stepmom, you know, and he was really going through some things that, um, that really only he knows he was going through. But on the outside looking in, I could see that, mm -hmm. um, and I was removed from that situation. So then, it, like I said, it just became, his story just became sad to me. You know what I mean? So I say all that to say, like, yes, when I when I say to you, you know, you being superwoman and, 
and you know you fucking it's like you against the world on some Tupac shit <laughs> shout out to your shirt um I, I'm not saying that in a in a negative way by no means I'm saying it in the sense that I'm trying to honestly I'm trying to help you that's straight up what I'm trying to do and only reason why I say that because when I was I don't know man 13 14 years old um, and I'm in the streets I'm, I'm from house to house whatever my brother Tito man my brother Tito I used to talk to him and I never used to talk to nobody about my problems and things that that I experienced in my household and um, I wrote this down man trials of Gabriel Fernandez yeah um, on Netflix mm-hmm out right now everybody's watching it talking about it and facts if you ever want to know the things i've been through just watch that netflix series and i watched it yesterday and i broke down crying man because all my memories started coming back of the things i went through and he died gabriel died rest in peace um i didn't get to my stepmom until i was about eight years old and from eight to whatever 16 six six years later um, 14, 8 to 14. She gave me that work just like Gabriel was getting that work. And, and just like it. The tying me up, the torture, the whole shit. The whole, she gave me my first stitches. She gave me my first black eye. She um, she hit me with all types of utensils. My dad used to have these samurai swords from Japan that he got. She used to take me out, hit, take those shits out, hit me with those. Pure torture. Everything that kid went through, I went through. Straight up. I mean, they was putting out cigarette uh, cigarette cigarettes on yeah. him she was putting her straight her hot straightening comb out on me you know what i mean curling irons i got a third degree i got a third degree burn under this tattoo from a curling iron she put on me one morning because i couldn't find her shoes you see what i'm saying yeah so i'm telling you all of this and i've said everything that i've been saying to you sylvia because i care and the thing is, what I'm telling you and what I know is, because I lived through this shit, if you keep that shit bottled, and luckily for me, I had Tito. Luckily for me, I had Tito, I had Rolando, I had John, I had all my friends growing up. Angela, I had Stephanie, I had Fonda, I had all of my friends growing up. But Tito was the first one that I started to open up to. Because, and for all of those reasons, don't talk about what goes on in this household, um, it's not their business, such and such could get in trouble. You could get taken away. Um, but the thing about it is, and I don't know what the fuck it was about Tito. Like, he was a fucking Puerto Rican kid and <laughs> we was playing football together. But I think it was, I think it was the fact that I could feel that he really cared. And, and, and even though he couldn't do shit for me, it was like he wanted, he, it was like he knew he needed me to get this shit out. And I need, and I needed to get that shit out, like for real, because what would have ended up happening for to me was I would have been harboring that shit in for years on end. But like, like he got to me early, and then once he got to me, it just got easier for me to tell my story and to tell people what was really going on with me and shit. And yes, I carried all that shit. I came, I carried the embarrassment, I carried the shame, I carried all of this shit because. I just wanted motherfuckers to like me. And the thing about it is, is like, I just wanted to be cared for. That's what I'm saying with this, this Gabriel kid, man. It's like the stories are parallel because that's all I ever wanted, which is all he ever wanted. But he I think that's me. all we all want. Yeah, I think so, too. But the thing is, is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> 
What are you trying to tell me, Trey? Start letting that shit out, man. I am. I let like, it out with like, you. It's me, yeah, no, no doubt, but... It's just that you have to understand, like... I look back now and I'm thinking to myself, damn, I spent a lot of time alone. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time alone. And my mom wasn't a bad mother. She didn't abuse us like that. Or, you know, physically, she wasn't, like, whipping us or anything like that. But... It's, it is hard for me to trust people. It mm-hmm. really is. Why? I don't know. I don't. Well, it's because of the things you've been through. I guess. That's why. But I can't, I can't be like, okay, so like, as far <laughs> as I know, I've never been cheated on. Now, okay. whether I've been cheated on or not, and I didn't know, that's another thing. But as far as I know, I've never been cheated on in a, in a relationship. So when it comes to a man, I've never been in the, in the situation where I'm like, I can't trust him. Mm-hmm. Because that's not true. I've never been in that situation however i feel like i had more issues with my mother that it kind of hurts everything else else. but but that's true that's that's true it's the same thing for me but i didn't realize that until fraser remember fraser's Mm -hmm. the one who helped me realize that Mm -hmm. you know and i was just like dang like he's right Mm -hmm. and i didn't see it and i guess it's because it's your mother you don't you don't, you know, this, I mean, this person's supposed to be there, mm-hmm. you know, and protect you mentally, physically, emotionally. And all she ever kept telling me was not to say things, not to tell people. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't want to hurt the family or you don't want to hurt this person's marriage or you don't want to hurt this or you don't want to hurt that because of the things that happened to me growing up. But... but I think about it now and I'm like, but you were my mother. You were supposed to take care of me and protect me. And you did. Right. And and that's the um that's the heartache. I mean, that's the that's the hard part about it. Like when you do look back and you're like, like it's like I said for myself, man, my mom's and my pops, it's like fuck. Like you 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 <laughs> y'all really did a number on me, man. I mean, that's- and outside like my mom's did one thing and then my pops um I felt like, like I said, he just wasn't there. And then the fucking most evilest person in the fucking world, my stepmom, was doing the worst shit to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was like, here I have these three damn three different dynamics, but they're all people that were supposed to care for me. They were all people who were supposed to love me. So when it came, when it for me, for me, when it comes to relationships, I know, like for me, um, I, I have, I, I was going to say I had, but I mean, I don't, it's not gone. Of course I have abandonment issues, of course. However, um, that's just the newest one on my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, it's always been there. It's, 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 the, the, it's the newest one you recognize. Um, but that was my thing. So for myself, when it comes to being with a woman that I'm, that I, I'm in love with or I'm intimate with, I was still keeping at arm's length. Because everybody else, the, the people that I grew up with, I mean, they, they can know my innermost secrets, and it's all love. And we have the best relationships. But when it comes to the women, the woman, the women that I used to date, mm-hmm. it was like they would always tell me, "Well, you keep me at arms length. You, you at arms length. You would only let let me in to a certain extent." And then I had to start recognizing that. You know what I mean? And going forward in relationships, I think I'm cool now. I think I'm going to therapy. Uh, helps, um, you know, talking, going to help groups, things like that. All of that stuff helps. Um, so I guess I, d- I don't want people to, I don't want people to come away from this 
um, thinking that for one they're alone in these situations yeah. um, because we're not we're not exactly. alone this is why we're doing a that. lot of black and brown uh, households in America I would lo- love no, not that I would love mm-hmm. I can also I can also say that we're changing that we're changing that we come we're, we're, we're becoming more aware we're becoming more in tune with our fat I mean with our feelings and more in tune with conversations like this because it's the conversations like this that need to happen in order to um, to move forward to push the culture forward <laughs> I know you did this on purpose <laughs> oh man you did this on purpose man I yeah. just want <laughs> okay. well, let me just go back and talk about my dad though okay because yeah. I didn't like you said you saw, you saw your dad in a different light than you saw your mother right facts so mine again is the opposite mm-hmm. like I saw my dad in a different light even though you know we weren't supposed to know that he was a drug addict or whatever you know I, I, don't, I don't feel the one thing I am grateful for is that I knew my father loved us mm-hmm. like I remember him taking us showers feeding us cleaning cooking you know things of like he did what he should have done right. so for me I've never had like, thank God, I never had like issues of that nature where I was there from man to man seeking some man to love me Mm -hmm. and do for me the way a father should have because I was missing that, you know, missing out on that because I didn't. Growing up, I always knew my father loved me. That was not a problem for me. So I was never searching, going and seeking, you know, like a lot of people do. Well, I didn't have my father, so I got daddy issues. So I'm right. seeking this and that and the third and then in a, in a relationship. That's definitely not what I did because I, I knew my dad loved me. Mm-hmm. So that is the one thing I am grateful for because I just didn't have to do any of that. But I think my issues stem more with my mother than it did with my dad. And I mean, I, we lost our dad to homicide when I was 22. Mm-hmm. My brother was 20. Mm-hmm. We were That's still young. So we only have really the good memories of kids, you know, of us being kids and him loving us. Mm-hmm. But most definitely, I don't, I don't see my, I never saw my father in a bad light. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can I ask you a question about your mom's real quick? Yeah. Um, have you, have you sat, have you sat down with your mother and had a real in-depth conversation and like laid it all out on the, on the, on the line for uh, her? <clears throat> about like how I feel and she's treated me in our relationship, things of that nature? About everything. <laughs> I've tried with my mother, um, I would say in the last... Three to five years. Mm-hmm. I've tried over and over and over. Sitting her down. Mm-hmm. And trying to have a grown. Healthy conversation with her. Mm-hmm. But I also feel that she. Has been. At some point mentally abused. Mm-hmm. More than anything. That mm-hmm. she did, she doesn't know how to. Communicate in that manner. Without. Attacking me. Mm-hmm. And me trying to tell her, look, this is how I feel. When, you know, when I was young, my mom used to call me a bitch all the time. So this whole era of girls calling each other bitches like that, for sure, that's a trigger for me. Don't call me a bitch. Mm-hmm. Because, one, I'm not a bitch. Two, I just have, n- I've never understood why any woman would call another. That's still derogatory to me. It's negative. It doesn't make me feel good. And I've t- sat her down and tell her. As a grown woman, me, as a grown woman talking to my grown mother, telling her, look, I 
don't like when you tell me that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't like it. It bothers me. It hurts me. You know, it it just doesn't make me think the best of myself either because how is a person supposed to feel when their mother calls them a bitch? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just crazy to me. Right. But it has happened, you know? And a lot of people don't know the things that I've gone through and, and they're never going to know because right. that's the relationship between me and my mother. But I have sat her down and tried to talk to her and tell her, like, you know, this doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make me feel good. When you do this, it makes me feel this way. If you, you know, I've tried and I've told her, like, this is what I need for you to show me that you love me. I've even gone to that depth, but I kind of feel that if I tell her something and if she receives it as negative, then she's going to tell me something negative Correct. as well. Or if she feels that I'm attacking or hurting her, then she's going to try to up one on me and do the same thing. And it's happened over and over and over again and i've even stopped in between and i'm like do you have any questions do you understand what i'm saying do you not understand what Mm -hmm. i'm saying and i've come to a realization that my friend helped me realize that she's just not gonna get it right so how and how does that make you feel though like like well i don't mean i don't like it because it's not like i told i tell her like don't you want to have a good relationship with your daughter i'm like your only daughter right and she's like Yes, but I just don't think she knows how to. So, no, it doesn't make me feel good. But, there, I mean, what can I do? You know, you just got to kind of keep moving. You just, I can't stay stagnant and just focus on that, you know. As much as I want to have a great relationship with my mother. And, I mean, she's, she, I thought she was my best friend. Mm-hmm. For years, I thought she was my best friend. But then I realized she really wasn't. And maybe it was because she was teaching me things like to be because she was telling me to be strong. I thought that that was a good thing, but maybe it wasn't or not to say things and to, you know, nobody need to know what was going on. And, you know, in the household or the family or whatever the situation was, I thought that maybe she was protecting me, but she really wasn't because when I needed to be protected, she wasn't there. Right. So it's it's hard, but. um, Yeah, I keep moving, right? Yeah, so, well, so, well, yeah, um, you do have to keep moving. Um, I had a similar conversation, so I tried that conversation with my mother over, um, like, 25 years of my life, right, um, when, we fir- when we first got back in contact. Um, and I remember after I had my twins, they were about a year, two years old, and I was watching Oprah. Um, she had Dr. Robbins on there. And she was pretty much saying, they was pretty much saying things that we all know, like, um, you really can't get on with your future if you can't get over your past. You know what I mean? So this is what that show was about. And they had, um, um, they were having a conversation about um, these these parents who, uh, who had kids now, had, who had their own kids now, and um, their parents were bad parents to them or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And they never really confronted their parents about these things. So what Dr. Robbins was saying, like, well, if you, if you really, if you, if you never talk about that and you're never over that, then you can never really truly give your children the hundred percent of the love that they truly need. Yeah. I heard that. I've always known that, but I don't know. I, I guess it took Oprah to, for me to hear it. And <laughs> I was like, ding dong, my, my daughter's like a year and a half years old, uh, a year and a half old, years old. Um, the light bulb went off in my head. I said, oh shit, I need to go talk to my moms, you know, because I don't want to rob my daughters of anything. So I was like, y'all need to, oh, I need to talk to my moms. 
I need to go make that happen because I've we never had that conversation yeah. um, about her abandoning me and the things that I've been through. She never she didn't know about none of the abuse my stepmom did to me. She didn't know about the homelessness. She didn't know about shit. But I that was something that I felt that we needed to discuss, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when that show came on, but I planned on going to go. It was a few months later. It was Memorial Day weekend, right? So I was in Vegas. She was in the Bay Area. My mom, my sister, everybody's in the Bay. So I was going to take that drive. I was going to take it up the. Uh, I was going to take it up the Nevada route, which is nothing, <laughs> fucking nothing. <laughs> and I knew that because I didn't want to take the scenic route through Cali because I wanted to do some thinking. I needed a. I did. But mind you, it already been three months. But I was preparing myself for the whole three months mm-hmm. because what I was really preparing myself for was uh, I really had to. Allow myself to understand that nothing, no matter, nothing she was going to be able to say to me was going to be good enough for me. And I really had to come to terms with that. You know what I mean? Like, really, like, I really, I didn't want to go up there and have a conversation with her and be like, she says something I don't like and then I'm just like, I'm off the hinge. Like, nah, this, that, and the third. Like, I really had to be cool with her telling me whatever she was going to tell me. And I had to be good with that, mm-hmm. like solid with it, right? Tell you what happened. So I drove my ass up to, I, I made it to San Jose. I had a good friend of mine in San Jose. Um, so I went to go check him out. One of my homies I grew up with went to go check him out. And I told him, I was telling him, he knew my story. He knew my story. He was one of my closest homeboys. And um, I'll tell him what I was going to go do. He was like, oh, shit, Dre, that's admirable, whatever, whatever. So I tell him, no, I'm not going to do it. That's what I told him. I'm not going to do it. He's like, What? <laughs> He was like, Dre, he was like, nah, man, you got to do it. And I was like, nah, I'm going to do it, right? So we hung out in San Jose that night. And um, he, uh, the next day, um, he got up in the morning and he woke me up. And he was like, what's up, man? He's like, get your ass up. Go to, go to the bay. Here's my navigation. Um, what's your sister's address? And he made me call my sister right there on speakerphone. <laughs> And get the address. He pro- and I, as we all know, I'm not fucking tech savvy. So you probably that shit in this Garmin or Garmin, whatever the shit is. Put the address in. He was he like, Garmin. Well, I don't know what shit's called. I don't no, know what no, I was yeah, that that's thing. Old yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Made myself right. He punched that shit in the gar- Garmin, whatever. It was like, all right, Dre. He's like, this is the only place you can go because I was on the play. I, tr- I programmed for you. So other than that, you know, you got to pull out the map or whatever. I was like, all right, man. He's like, no, but go, man. He said, you, he said, you, he said, you had a reason you was going to go. He said, you should go. He said, as long as you understand that, no matter what she could tell you, it's not going to be good enough for you. Then you're good. You're good to go, right? So fuck it, man. I took it, man. I, I left, went up to Cal, I mean, to the Bay. To the Bay Area, pulled up to my sister's apartment, man, and um, I, I I made sure my brother was there, my sister was there, and my mom, my mother was there. I'm gonna have my auntie set it all up for me, and um, I, I go in there, man, and um, yeah, man, I mean, she was denying it, um, she, but until I started recalling things, like yo, I, I seen, I, 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 of course, I didn't know what it was at the time, but you you had yeah. bricks on us. <laughs> Under our jackets on the Greyhound like, to LA. Yeah, until I told her, because she was denying like, everything. Yes, you did. And I'm like, yo, no, I remember the fucking mountains of fucking cocaine. I remember you fucking guys chopping, cooking. I, 
I remember. I remember, yeah. This ain't shit that my brother and my sister told me. This shit. Because when I was telling her these things, their eyes was wide. Like, oh, shit. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't mean to cut you off. But that's where me and my brother are. Like, sometimes me and my brother, you know, he's heard me say things. And he's like, did we grow up in the same household? Yeah. And, you know, we're different individuals. Mm-hmm. She's going to treat you differently you right. may not know some of the things that happen and i don't have i don't feel like i have to explain that to anybody right. That's, this is my life it's not your life you don't have to know i you can't tell me what, what, what i've been through, through. Right. Exactly. i'm the one who went through it right you know that's between me and her so i i would get upset because he said that and i'm like so are you trying to discredit what i'm saying like you don't know you're not there right. i mean i don't even know if my brother's ever heard my mom say some of the things to me but i'm just like it's neither here nor there it doesn't right. matter but i just wanted to say that because i understand exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. there's sometimes i would tell my mom like what i saw what happened what you know the this not the third and she'd be like how you how did you remember yeah. and i'm like you do yeah it's 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 uh it's, it's a vivid picture that that's painted in your in your mind and shit but um the point i was making is like so i recalled all these things and she was denying it and denying it um as much as she could <clears> until <throat> she really understood because everything that i was saying my brother and my sister was co-signing with me like oh mm. shit like oh yeah that's true that's true that's true right and um she finally came out and was like um she just said i'm sorry but but i also wanted to i also want to say this for the record i didn't go up there to bring no fucking shame upon my mom and yeah. the shit she's lived of through and the, and the things that she's put her kids through put herself through um that's between her and god and she's already dealt with all of that but I really wanted to make sure that my mom knew that I still turned out all right. You know what I mean? Despite everything, like everything that I've been through, like I still turned out all right. And that I forgave her. I wanted her to know that. And I promise you, man, as soon as I'm sitting here, man, like that shit that Oprah was saying. <laughs> like that weight like was just like it literally, it literally felt like a. 1200 ton gorilla was off my back because I felt so good after that and I felt like um, I felt like I like me and my mother for the first time in our lives we had a connection over something because when we like I said we cut through all the bullshit and she like I said she was opposed to listening at first and she didn't want to hear the things I wanted to tell her but it's important. You got to get that shit out. You I gotta, think sometimes that's what it is that they don't want to hear it or they don't, don't want to talk about it, discuss it, or they're ashamed or whatever the situation so is. Though. But you do, you do need to talk so about necessary. it. Because sometimes I would talk to my mom about stuff, and she'd just be like, "She don't even. I I know she don't know what to tell me. Right. And it's like you don't need. Sometimes I tell her like, I just want you to know. Right. You know, I just want you to know. That's it. So it's, the thing. I would, the, the only advice I would give you and anyone else out here struggling with these type of things is say your piece, let it out, and move on. That's all we can do. I mean, because we're still going to continue to harbor these, these, um, these emotions, these ill emotions towards our parents or anyone who's wronged you in the past. Um, it's, it's just not, not worth it. It's yeah, just it's not, not worth it. It's not, man, because there's still... Even though whatever has happened to you, whenever it happened to you, mm-hmm. they're still robbing you of your current peace currently today. And that's not fair to you and yourself, your kids, and nobody else around you. All right? Okay. So, um, <laughs> we're going to end it right there um, as far as sins of our parents. Hopefully, you guys um, picked up on some things. And hopefully, mm-hmm. you guys... Uh, um, you know, got something out of this episode. Sorry, I got a little long-winded um, along the way. But, hey, man, this shit I'm passionate about. So, um, And I'm passionate about 
Um, just like I said, I mean, the whole purpose of this is to let you guys know that our parents are human too. You know what I mean? They, they made mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. They're probably still making mistakes, but that's a part of the shit. I mean, cause we all know that we're not perfect. We all know the mistakes that we've made, even with our kids. We know the mistakes that we've made, so we got to give them that... Um, we should give them some leverage to make those to have had made those mistakes um, in the past and currently, if, if need be. Um, our last segment is uh, the final report, and the final report is, um, and I'm gonna make you go first, uh, <laughs> Sylvia. The final report is our segment where we, um, like I said, we give people their flowers while they're still here. So, um, Sylvia, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Um, um, today's gonna be my mother. Okay. Which is her name is Sylvia as well. I didn't know that. Um, You're a junior? No. <laughs> That's what she said. No, 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 she, no, said I know, I know. she said, men can have juniors. Yeah, no, I'm no, a woman. You can be a junior too. So she named me junior. Yeah. And I was like. I got a homegirl named Carmen. Her mom's name was Jesus. Carmen. I was like, what's going on here? But whatever. So I'm with that being said, yeah, my mom did teach me how to be a strong woman. And um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be as strong as I am today if it weren't for her. So shout out to my mother. And I do love her very, very much. And we are trying to get to, I'm trying to get us to a mentally healthy place. Mm -hmm. Because mentally, physically, emotionally, like we need to all be healthy. All of us. I agree. So yeah, if it weren't for my mother, I I wouldn't be here. So yeah. That's good. So, um... Thank you, Mama Sylvia. We appreciate you. Um, so mine is going to be to uh, Tabitha Bonilla. So Tabitha Bonilla is my sister-in-law. Um, she, we, she, we uh, lost my brother in 05, uh, in January uh, 29th, 05. So it's his 15-year anniversary right now. Um, I mean, that just passed of his passing. Um, but Tabitha, man, I mean, to say... To, yeah, to say um, she's one of the strongest women that I know would be an understatement um, because a few months prior to losing my brother, she lost her father in Iraq. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how she's done it. I don't know how she did it. Um, but shout out to her. I've learned so much. I learned so much uh, from her about strength, perseverance, and just... Um, Stay in the course, and um, so I want to do. Uh, like I said, I want to tell you, Tabitha. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everything that you've accomplished. I love you. Uh, thank you for all the late night talks with me. Um, I know, especially during that time around 0405, I know that um, you felt that I was helping you out a lot, but you was helping me out a lot as well. So um, thank you for everything. Thank you for always being there for me. Even though we don't talk as much as we used to on a regular basis, but every time we talk is just like the last time we talk. So it's all love. I appreciate you. I love you. And that is the Minority Report episode eleven. Says of our parents. Um, shout outs to the Spotify listenerships. Shout out to the iTunes listenership. The Google i what do you, what do you think it's called? Um, Google Podcast <laughs> listenership. Um, YouTube. YouTube as well to the viewership on YouTube y'all please go to uh, our streaming platforms and listen to us and stop <laughs> like and subscribe 
and stop looking at the well. No, don't stop. I mean, do that. But <laughs> help us out, support us, but please. Support as us, we help grow. us. Surpri- um, so subscribe, uh, like, share. Um, let everybody know um, that we're out here and we're trying to, you know, do what we do um, for the greater good of everyone. All right, man. Peace and love. All is forgiven. You guys have a good one. Peace. Ooh.